Okay, so um, let me just kind of move these chairs ever so slightly here. And I'm not going to stand on a ladder this morning, but I'm going to stand on the chair for a while because, oh man, this chair is uh, more uh, shaky than I thought it would be. Uh, because this is the ground that I stand on. It's the ground that I stand on. Um, that is the ground that you stand on. And you can put yourself in my position and just imagine, hey, this is the ground that you know, I stand on, and this is the ground that somebody else stands on. Uh, sometimes we stand on very different ground, right? Amen? We disagree about things, as we just said. Um, I, I think that things should be done one way, and, well, you think that things should be done another way. Um, this happens even in church. <gasps> Romans chapter 14 was a long reading, yeah? Uh, the Romans is like kind of a thick uh, book, and, and, and Romans chapter 14 that, that John read so well earlier, um, it, it, here's what's happening, right? Paul is writing to a church in Rome, and the church in Rome is literally a, a few dozen people, so we're probably talking like, you know, 12 to 24 people. Like, it's not very big, okay? It's, it's maybe you're even pushing into the 30s, but it's not a very big church. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and guess what? According to Romans chapter 14, it seems like they disagree over a couple of topics. Uh, particularly, uh, we would probably say that they disagree over eating and drinking and over uh, certain days. And I'll explain those momentarily. Uh, we we just want to pay attention to this, that Paul is writing believer to believer. So he's not writing believer to unbeliever. He's not writing believer to unbelieving world. He's speaking to people in the church together. He's speaking disciple to disciple, okay? Um, so, so when we think about the disagreements in our lives, we're going to be kind of talking about our agreements and disagreements here in the church. But you might think smaller. You might think, hey, I disagree about this with a friend of mine. You might think, oh, I disagree about this with my spouse, uh, you might also think on the bigger side of, of the scale and think, wow, I disagree with this that the world seems to agree with. Okay, so, so disagreements, all different levels, all different layers. Uh, you can think smaller, you can think bigger. We're going to stick with kind of what Paul does and just be thinking about um, our disagreements inside the church. For the church at Rome, right, they disagreed about eating and drinking is the language that we see there. And, uh, and here's the kind of context for that, right? If you're on this chair, then you're saying, oh, I'm free to eat whatever I want to eat. I'm free to drink whatever I want to drink. And people on that chair, same church, right, church in Rome, they were saying, oh, you are, we should not eat and drink these types of foods and drinks, now, the reason that they would say that is because they were uh, primarily from a Jewish background. Uh, the church in Rome had a very mixed group of people. Um, some of them were Gentiles. So they had never been Jewish. They didn't know Jewish laws. They didn't know Jewish um, traditions. And those people over there were more Jewish in background. And so they grew up with ceremonial food laws that said, oh, you shouldn't eat and drink these kinds of things. And so there was disagreement in the church about eating and drinking. Um, same thing for the days, right? People over here would say, no, each day is the same. Each day has the same level of importance. People over there, again, Jewish background, they would say um, that, that, that some days are more important than other days. Some days are more holy, more sacred than other days. 
Now, um, today, we probably don't argue or disagree so much about eating and drinking, but um, here's some of the disagreements that we might have, uh, and, and you might have other disagreements that you want to bring up in this moment, and, uh, and you might not even know that these are disagreements within our church, but here's some of the disagreements that we face, right? Drums. Over here, yeah, I want to have drums in every single worship. Over there, no drums, uh-uh, too loud, Right? Um, uh, over here, oh, I really like communion the way that we do it now. Oh, over there, oh, I really wish that we did communion the way that we used to do it before COVID. Um, over here, um, uh, I think that we should spend our money on X, Y, and Z. Over there, I think we should spend our money on A, B, and C. Over here, um, I think that if we did X, Y, and Z, then we would get people back into church. Over there, if we did A, B, and C, we would get people back into church. See, we disagree about all kinds of things. We may not disagree about eating and drinking, but we do have disagreements within our own church body, believer to believer, disciple to disciple. Now, the church in Rome, if we think about this, how did they handle their disagreements? Um, since they are a church, they handled it perfectly, of course. They sat down at a, at a table uh, with a cup of coffee, maybe a cup of tea, and, uh, and they logically and rationally talked through their differences. And they logically, logically and rationally landed on, hey, this is the path that we're going to take moving forward. Everybody say, yeah, right. Now say it with some snarkiness. Say, yeah, right. Here's what they did. Paul mentions four things, four things that they did that was not good. And what he's doing throughout chapter 14 is he's saying, stop doing this. Because doing these four things creates what? Hullabaloo. <laughs> doing these four things creates commotion and fuss that doesn't really need to be created. Right? Here's the four things. And I'll give a, def a definition for each one. Quarreling, despising, judging, and then the fourth one's more complicated. Put stumbling blocks down. Right, so, so here's what they did. Um, they, they first of all quarreled. Uh, that's essentially just turning towards the other person and you're arguing about who's right and who's wrong. Uh, except your uh, quarreling has like a deeper like, uh, uh, you know, emotion attached to it. And so you're, you're, here's the technical, you're arguing in a heated fashion is what, the, uh, is what Webster says. Right? You're arguing in a heated fashion. That means you're arguing about it and you might look like you're keeping your cool, but guess what? Your heart is beginning to pound faster and faster and harder and harder because you're really worked up about this issue. They quarreled with one another. Um, they also despised one another. Um, so, so that's where you essentially dismiss uh, the other person and the, and, and the other opinion. Um, you, you regard with contempt, right? So, so you, you look at them, but you look down on them for what they think or what they believe in their position. You despise them. Um, you, you judge, right? You, you essentially just look at them and say, you're wrong, and what you think is wrong. Uh, that kind of language is all over Romans chapter 14. And then this idea of putting stumbling blocks down in front of somebody else. Uh, essentially, if we just kind of move that to today's language, what they're doing is they're trying to be the loudest uh, voice about their opinion, and they're trying to get more people to come and do what they do, right? Believe what they believe. Uh, and, and so over here, right, they're saying, oh, um, you don't need to follow those restrictions and rules. You can just come over and be free to eat whatever you want. Right? Because bacon, pineapple, barbecue sauce pizza is the best kind of pizza. So come over here and eat that. 
And they're, they're trying to get more people to stand on their ground because if you get more people to stand on your ground, then guess what? You win, right? You'll have the loudest voice. And, and of course, they're trying to do the same thing. So they put stumbling blocks down in front of the other people. They said, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. Uh, and I would add one more. Uh, this is not in Romans chapter 14. This is just something that I think we do today. Uh, we, tend to, uh, we, we tend to avoid or withdraw uh, conversations that we disagree over. Because we, we imagine, oh, uh, avoiding or withdrawing from the conversation will, um, will help us not to fight over something. But, but here's what happens, right? When we avoid or withdraw a conversation, uh, withdraw from a conversation, then, then very often, right, we're withdrawing from the person. We're withdrawing from the relationship with that person. And so withdrawing and avoiding is not good because, because we are made for a relationship with one another. Uh, withdrawing and avoiding is not good because eventually what happens is your annoyance with them just builds up until you explode. Maybe you explode at them. Maybe you explode at some distant third party that has nothing to do with it. But avoiding and withdrawing is also not going to be helpful. So if we just kind of recap this, right, Paul says that, that, where, that, that when you're standing your ground, you, you should probably think about your behavior, and that you should stop doing things that create hullabaloo, a commotion or a fuss. Uh, you, you, should, you should stop quarreling, uh, stop despising, stop judging, and stop putting stumbling blocks down. Stop trying to get people to do what you want them to do. Now, now this is pretty cool. Paul says one thing uh, that, that we'll just kind of uh, pick and pull apart for the next several minutes. He says this, uh, chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You may or may not have heard that verse before. I honestly, when I first uh, started to approach this verse, I thought it was saying, oh, the kingdom of God is not about partying, but about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, what it's actually saying is that the kingdom of God is not about our petty disagreements, but it's about something much bigger. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, right? He's been talking about bad behavior. He's been talking about, about handling disagreements in a way that would be God-pleasing. And, and then he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that it, just this one verse could, could just offer us some massive help in our disagreements. And that if we would kind of cling to and live out this one verse, Oh, man, it would also help us to just enjoy and celebrate the gospel in a much richer way. So, so here's the deal. Um, why use the word kingdom here? If Paul were sitting here with me, I would say, Paul, why do you use the word kingdom in that one verse? Guess how many times he uses the word kingdom in the, in the book of Romans? One time. <laughs> Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Guess how many times he uses it um, throughout his writings? Very few times. Right? He, he hardly ever talks about the kingdom of God. So why here, when he is talking about disagreements with people in the church, does he use this word kingdom? Um, guess what? Paul's not here. <laughs> and I couldn't ask him. But, but if, I had to, if I had to guess, I would guess that what Paul is doing is he's trying to say, hey, remember that there is one king and you aren't it. 
right? Because very often uh, in our disagreements, we tend to sort of uh, get so invested in what we are arguing for, right, that, that we get lost in that argument. And whether we want to or not, we just kind of get sucked into it and, and we begin to, to imagine or to think that I'm the king and, and we try to defend and we try to persuade and we try to battle. I'm the king and people should listen to me. And so Paul says, hey, um, the kingdom of God does not consist. It doesn't, it's not a matter of eating or drinking. He's trying to say, hey, you don't decide what's right and wrong, and they don't decide what's right and wrong. And, and it's not even a thing of you two coming together to decide what's right and wrong. Who gets to decide what's right and wrong? The king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, God the Father Almighty. Right? He is the king. And so maybe instead of standing our ground, maybe we should get on our knees and ask him what he thinks. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the second thing uh, that, that we want to see about this verse, right, is that, is that in the kingdom, there are certain things that matter to the king more than other things. Uh, notice this. I, I don't think that Paul is saying, hey, um, these issues are, are completely irrelevant and don't matter at all. He's not saying that. Uh, I think what he's, because he's been addressing these issues, by the way, the entirety of chapter 14. And so he's not just saying, hey, these, ma these issues don't matter at all. What he's saying is that there's, there's some things that matter more than other things in the kingdom of God. He cares, God cares about these issues. God cares about the, the positions and the opinions that we hold. But they never become the main thing. Never. They never become the main thing as we sometimes make them out to be. Um, uh, remembering this, I think, would help us to just kind of... Right? Re remembering and coming back to, okay, what, what are the most important things to God the Father Almighty? Uh, what does the King say is most important? See, uh, when we do that, when we hit the pause button on our opinions and, and, and our uh, ways of doing things, th then what we're doing is we're allowing God to reprioritize our list of important things. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, a third way that this verse helps us, right? So the first way, uh, we remember that we aren't the king. Uh, second thing, we remember that in the kingdom there are certain things that matter more than other things. The third way this helps us is that, is that we begin to see what the king stands for. If you want to imagine uh, uh, the, the king standing on certain ground, <laughs> we see the certain ground that, that the king stands on. What, what the king stands for is righteousness and peace and joy. Um, uh, righteousness is a word that, uh, it's kind of a, a, a deep word. There's a lot of definition and a lot of meaning behind it in the kingdom of God. But, uh, but, but righteousness means essentially uh, things are as they ought to be. And, and when we're talking about a person, it means that you are as you ought to be. Um, when we're thinking about our relationship with God, it means that I am right with God. I am good with God. Maybe, right, God's given me two thumbs up, and I'm giving God two thumbs up, right? That's what it means to be righteous. Everything is right. Um, what I'm doing is right. 
And uh, in my relationship with God, it's all good, right? I, I am right with God. Super cool verse, Romans 3, 23 and 24. Jot it down if you're keeping score at home. It says this, all have sinned and fallen short and are justified by his grace as a gift. Do you know what the word justified means? It means to, de to, to declare or to make righteous. So, so just see this, all have sinned and fallen short and are what? Justified, declared righteous by the grace of God as a gift. So, so what does that mean? If I'm over here, guess what? I have fallen short of the standard of God. I, I have sinned, but, but I have been justified. I've been declared righteous by the grace of God as a gift. And guess what? The people who stand over here, these people have sinned and fallen short, and they have been declared righteous, made righteous by the grace of God as a gift. Another verse says essentially the same thing. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says, We have been justified by his blood. So just see this. Paul is beginning to say that the kingdom of God is not a matter of flesh, uh, sorry, not a matter of eating and drinking, right? Uh, not a matter of what we do, but, but it's a, a matter of righteousness. It's a matter of what Christ has done for us. The um, kingdom of God is uh, not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. Uh, peace is the subject of our series. It's the thing that we desire most. Uh, as I kind of surveyed several leaders in the congregation uh, towards the end of, what year was that, 2021, right? Uh, one of the things that, did, that, that so many of them said was, hey, we lack peace and we want peace and we desire peace. And so here we are talking about a God who disrupts the hullabaloo. Uh, peace is the subject of this series. Peace is essentially a state of tranquility. State of tranquility. Uh, peace is, 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 is two thumbs up on the inside when everything around you is chaos. And the reason that we have two thumbs up on the inside is what? <laughs> because we've got two thumbs up to God and God has two thumbs up to us. See, when we are right with God, then we can have peace with others and we can have peace with our circumstances and the chaos around us. Because, because I know that I'm good with God and nothing else matters more than that. See, we have peace, a state of tranquility as a gift from God. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Grace and peace from God our Father. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, since we have been justified, there's that word again, right? Made right, made righteous. Since we have been made right with God, we have peace with God through Jesus. Since we have been justified, we have peace with God through Jesus. So, so again, right? Kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. It's not about what we do or what they're doing. It's about what Christ has already done. Uh, last thing is joy. And we won't spend a lot of time on this one. We talked a lot about it uh, around the Advent Christmas season. Uh, joy is simply gladness, um, maybe a deep, exceeding gladness. And, and, and just see this, right? Uh, Romans chapter 15 says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. 
In other words, these things are not things that you work out and manufacture on your own. These things are a gift from a father who loves you. Paul is shifting the focus. And he's saying, hey, look, you aren't the king. And he's saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, there are things that matter (laughs) more than other things. And he's shifting the focus from what you do or what they do, eating and drinking, drums, no drums, communion now, communion before, right? He's shifting the focus from what you do to what he has already done for you. He gives you righteousness, he gives you peace, and he gives you joy. So, um, uh, look, Romans chapter 14 is like super cool because Paul just meets us right here. This is where we live a lot of our life, yeah? Whether we want to or not, man, we just get riled up about stuff, right? We have an opinion, we have a ground that we stand on, and so, so we just kind of, you, you know, live here, and, and then a lot of life is spent here. And, and so what Paul does is he just meets us here on the ground that we stand on, uh, in our divisions, in our disagreements, What would life look like? What would our world look like if we began to deal with our disagreements in a Romans 14 kind of way? I really believe a couple of things would happen. Number one, there'd be less hullabaloo. There'd be less hullabaloo because we wouldn't engage the quarreling and the despising and the judging and trying to be the loudest voice and get more people to stand on my ground. Number two, we'd have something to celebrate, y'all. Wouldn't that be an incredible shift? Instead of getting so worked up about, here's what I believe and look at what they believe, we'd have something to celebrate. We'd have something to celebrate that that we have this God who gives us gospel good news. That we'd have something to celebrate that, man, I, I I, I am a wretched sinner and Jesus shed his blood for me on the cross to declare me and make me right. He's paid the price for everything that I screw up. We'd have something to celebrate that, that because of what Christ has done, I'm good. I'm all good with God and, and I'm good even though things around me are crazy. We'd have something to celebrate that, that I can have joy and happiness even though things aren't always how I want them to be. If we actually dealt with our disagreements in a Romans 14 kind of way, there'd be less hullabaloo, and man, we would have something to celebrate. And the third thing, we would stand out in the world. Amen? I mean, good grief. You you all know that there's like disagreements out there, right? There's a few disagreements out there. I don't think we really need to even put too many of them on the table. You're well aware of the disagreements that happen in the world in a much bigger context outside of the church. Um, but, but look, if we actually dealt with our disagreements inside the church in a Romans 14 kind of way, man, we would stand out. And, 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 and the world might look at us and say, well, I, I, I want to disagree like that. Wouldn't that be cool? If the world looked at us and, and said, man, um, you guys disagree, but, but you know that you're not the king, and you're on your knees trying to hear what the king desires. You guys disagree, but, but you're not trying to be louder than the other party. You guys disagree, but, but you're not being mean and nasty to each other. You, you guys disagree, but, but you're still celebrating something else outside of yourself. 
man, we would stand out in the world and the world would begin to ask questions and the world would say, I want to disagree like you disagree. And I want to know more about this king that gives everything for you. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, such, uh, man, real examples. Um, it, you know, Romans 14 just, just kind of stands out in front of us and says, okay, so people have been here before. Um, uh, there, there's been disagreements uh, in, in, in small parties, in big parties. There's been disagreements in the world, and, and there's ways to handle it that are pleasing to you. And so we just ask that, uh, that, that you would meet us, um, that, that you would meet us right where we're at, and that you would remind us that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, that you would help us think about our behavior uh, in our disagreements, um, that you would remind us of what matters most in your kingdom. Man, not what I'm doing, not what somebody else is doing, but what you have already done for us. And that we'd keep coming back to the truth, to the gospel good news of, of who you are and all that you have done. And Jesus, as we, as we live out uh, our disagreements in this kind of Romans 14 kind of way, would you just help the world to pay attention? Would you just let us be a witness? Uh, let us be a leader in how we can best handle disagreements um, that, that are much bigger than any one of us. And so, Father, we thank you so much for, for, for just practical stories that we can sink into. And we thank you so very much for the gospel good news about what you have done. We lift our eyes to you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.